0: to everybody. We're going to take a moment before we get into our reading for the day and the text we'll be dealing with and and, um, hopefully like center us in a really, really, really great place. Maybe we aren't there yet. And what I mean by that is It's really easy to come to church and still kind of be scatterbrained. Like there's lots going on in life and there's lots going on here and there's lots that might be coming up this week and we can be like everywhere except in the present like place and moment. And again, not what I want to be very clear about. We're going to take a moment to pray and I want you to pray on your own, just silently where you are for one really specific reason is that you hear The words of Jesus. Okay, it isn't, it isn't that we get focused so you can hear this magnificent lesson that I have, or that any spirit, this is beyond us here. This is for the rest of our lives, is this idea of praying that God we hear your voice, um, that it doesn't get kind of mixed up and all the other noises and all that kind of stuff. So let's take a moment and just have some time of silent prayer and then we'll continue. Father, we pray that you speak to us, give us sensitive hearts, ears to hear uh, your words, Father. I pray that you um, comfort us where that's needed, and please challenge us in areas where our heart is hard, Father, and needing repentance. Thank you for being the perfect king, the merciful king, the great king. God, thank you for that. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 Okie dokie. So let's go ahead and get started. We're in the midst of this um, whole kind of series on, we began, what did Jesus mean? What did he mean when he said some things? And we brought some scriptures up that traditionally have been very misunderstood or scriptures that have evoked some pretty significant emotion inside of us. And what we've been really trying to do together, what I'm asking us to do is to let our 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 opinions allow our, allow our past ideals to be challenged by the word of God. I think sometimes it's really easy to go, well, I know that scripture already, and I don't even know what it means, okay? Um, and, and we need to hit a reset periodically and, and separate how I feel about something and what is actually being said by Jesus and what does he mean by that? And so we were pursuing that. Like, what did he mean when he said some things? But we we naturally came to a place where we had to ask the question, well, how did he mean for us to actually accomplish this? Not just the understanding and the information. And we focused on a couple of, like, bookend verses here, okay? In Matthew chapter 4, we have Jesus and his initial in verse 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And that was such profound, profound, Profoundly good news to people because, I mean, the kingdom of heaven—it's not like it's just just out of our reason. No, it's it's among us. The kingdom of heaven is among us. And like a verse later, he goes and he's, he he runs up on some guys. He said, "Hey, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." That may be one of the most profoundly like perfect definitions of what discipleship is. That very verse right there is the idea of follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? (laughs) Of becoming apprentices of Jesus. And that's very important to what we're talking about is as an apprentice, just, and I've used, so my own example of this is just in this kind of fantasy world of my own brain of wanting to be at some point like a blacksmith of some sort, okay? I don't know why that always, I just think if you really need to do that, But you would need to be an apprentice, and you would go and you would learn and you would watch and you would be humble and teachable, and that would be the expectation is that the art would be passed along, right? And it's the same here: is that we're apprentices and we're lifelong apprentices. Our our goal is it would be fantastic to be like our king. That would be fantastic, right? But having the heart of an apprentice of follow me with the hope. That me and you, okay, when, when he has, like, inserted his Holy Spirit inside of us, that became a, became a transforming process that happens, and you can't actually stop that from happening. We can kind of squelch it, and we can, we can suppress it, but the Holy Spirit is meant to change us into what? Fishers of men, and that, for your for fishermen, that makes sense. Okay, for everybody else, you're like, a fisher of men, that's maybe a little bit strange, but simply put, Jesus is saying, "I'm going to turn you into me. You're going to do what I do on this earth." All right, and so He says that, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." And we had this other verse way over at the end of Matthew when He said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." And and we use those as our bookmarks. And you can probably tell if you're just joining us with this to see how different past theologies, emotion, mistreatment of Scripture, even at times, can give us kind of weird kind of feels about that. But what we're trying to do is kind of wrap our arms around, okay, Jesus, how do you want us to do this? How do you want us to go and do this? And right in between, so we have these I love Matthew. I, that's the one of my favorite gospel is Matthew. Okay, and couched between Matthew chapter 4 and you have this great calling and then you have Matthew 28 of this great commission is you have this kind of sandwiched in there is this really this how-to, this great curriculum of the Sermon on the Mount. Like Jesus very clearly saying this is how my kingdom will be. This is This is what kingdom life is like. And not individually. He actually know, like collectively, this is what my people will wrap their arms around. It will be like this. One of the most popular verses that we know is Matthew 22, verse 37, when Jesus is approached. And they said, well, what's the greatest command? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second one is just like it. Okay, that's very important to understand. Yeah. Okay, because you're saying that second one is not really second; it's the same. Okay, is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, and so they're sandwiched in there. And sim- really, the simplest way to put this is Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. That idea of how do we do that is expressed completely in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, how are we supposed to do this? What does it mean to follow you? What does it mean to be transformed? What does it mean to do all of these things? And I really do want to love you with all my heart, soul, and mind. And and to the original hearers, they wouldn't have thought an emotional kind of love. They wouldn't have thought, like, oh, man, I just kind of am am wooing over Jesus. And, like, my heart is so... That's more of, like, an our thing today, of, like, this emotional... And I'm not saying that emotion isn't associated with it, but they would have heard loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind as doing what God says to do. So have said, that's how you know, okay? And so turn over, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. So here's this idea of Jesus as as he's taking us right here, right now, And he's walking us through this. What did he envision? What did he envision would would it be like when he first, you know, said to his guys, like, follow me and I'll make you pictures of men? What was Jesus thinking of, like, would come of that? What was this looking like? Right? We we think that he was thinking of, like, church and all that kind of stuff, right? Now, Now, here's the interesting thing. Like, the church here is, is truly meant to be an outpost of the kingdom of God. Here's the difference why the church isn't the kingdom of God. Because you can be a church member and not be in the kingdom of God. You can come to church every Sunday. This is kind of a weird American theme, right? Is, I come to church, I must be okay. I sing the songs, I must be okay. I listen to the sermons, I must be Okay. When maybe you've been coming and you've been, like, hanging out at the outpost of the kingdom, the kingdom of God is truly, it's meant to be expressed in the church of people who have decided to live in the kingdom. And so when you think about the Clemson Foothills Church and you think of, like, our local area here, we truly are called to that, of being an outpost for the kingdom of God. Okay? And so what did he envision? Let's look right here at Matthew chapter 5. This is after Jesus went through the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the... Essentially, Jesus is saying some really great things, okay? He's saying the kingdom of God is for regular people. The kingdom of God is not for the strongest and the most forceful and the brightest and the most intelligent and the most like, you know, all of that. He's like, no, it's meant for, for regular people. It's meant for people that might not get a regular shake in the world. It's meant for those who maybe the world looks down on He's like, no, the kingdom of God is open for that, okay? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, we need to stop and we need to, again, my hope for us is that we're handling the Scripture the way the Scripture was meant to be handled, which is meditative, which is meant to be thought through and studied and read and read multiple times and applied to our lives. And It goes so much further than what we're doing right here and right now. But when you think of Jesus calling everyone together, he's like, this is what my people, this is what an outpost of the kingdom is going to look like in the world. It's like this city on a hill, right, where you have, again, not a singular person, but all of these people coming together who have decided to live in the kingdom of God, to live under his rule and his reign, right, to, to be apprentices of his, and you can see just having this idea of what <laughs> Jesus was envisioning, Here's the the difficult part for me when I read this is I wonder sometimes if Jesus were to manifest himself and come here, like, like come back in the flesh and and, and teach us this and just say these words, if we would be a little bit unimpressed by Jesus, like, well, what's the big deal about that? Light in the world. Okay, that's, that's great. City on the hill, man. That's really neat. I wonder sometimes if 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 there's a hardness that settled in on us mm. that when we read the very words of Jesus, that it doesn't. It's it really truly is meant to move people to go. Wow, well, he's actually talking about a kingdom that will never ever go away. He's talking about a kingdom that is so perfect and so wonderful. And his plan isn't that it would just be this insulated group of people that didn't have room or time for anyone else. But it would be this group of people that was like a beacon for the world. Like this outpost is meant to be something, It's here's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be an alternative to what the world is offering. It should not look anything alike. Right, there's no part of it. And, and this is the part that I, I I would hope that all of us would take a moment To think through is to go, man, isn't it very easy for the outpost of the kingdom to begin looking just like the world? And people come and they say, oh, well, I've come and, well, you guys kind of do the same thing and you behave the same way and there's nothing really different going on. I can go into the world and there's nice people doing nice things as well. Okay. But really understanding and going, Jesus, what were you thinking? When you thought of this, okay, when you thought of this section right here, okay, Paul said it a little bit differently, okay? Let's look at this, Philippians 2, verse 12. Paul said the same thing, but he said it just maybe a little bit more descriptively, okay? So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, isn't that great that Paul, really? I mean, that's, I I mean, we live in a very critical world. Are you telling me everyone in the Philippian church obeys? Okay, I love that that Paul is like, no, this is great. Brothers and sisters, they always obey. Not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like, what we're doing is serious. Like, this is eternal. Okay, and and again, it's very easy, and again, I don't want to, like, portray myself onto you. You may have a different thing, but it's really easy for me to, like, go on cruise control. And it just, like, one day goes into the next day, goes into the next day, goes into the next day. it's like, no, I know this is serious. But I don't know if it's as intentional and thoughtful and and, and really, like, focused, okay? He's saying, no. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you. Like, that's a really, really important thing to remember. Right? It's God who's working in you, enabling you up to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. I got to stop there because that kind of confuses me, O Paul. Because he's like, it's great y'all always obey, but by the way, stop grumbling. Mm-hmm. There, there's a side of that I kind of like a little bit because I'm like, man, there's a lot of grace there, but at the same time, it's like grow up, people. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's good. We need that. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, hold firmly to the message of life. This can be where we go crazy just a little bit. And what I what I mean by that is this is it's very easy as you know, as we read Jesus' teachings, and we're going, you see, he's telling us we need to go and make disciples and be fishers of men and we need to do all that stuff and we, and we programatize it and, and we make sure that everyone knows exactly like here's three or four verses to know and, and, and there's like this engineer programming on how to do this here's what solves that hold firmly to the message of life Th- that that honestly, in many regards, is where we kind of go a little bit off, because we're not realizing when when we're listening to Jesus' teachings, he's giving us the message of life that is supposed to be passed on to others. It's very hard to give away something that we don't have. Okay? It's really, really difficult. So, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to pick up uh, right down here, actually in verse 20. Um, And it's interesting, again, you have Matthew, and Matthew's writing these three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, and he's talking about what kingdom life is. He's relaying the words of Jesus himself. And again, I think, to just simply read through this, I wonder if we would not be a little bit less than impressed to just read through this. I wonder sometimes when I read this, if, as a preacher today, or as other preachers, or as we even like the, the men that we have preaching and teaching today, if, if it's also almost one of those things where we've got to like add something into this to really make it sink in. And again, I wonder if there's not a hardness that hasn't settled in on us. To be able to hear the words of Jesus and allow them to penetrate. And allow it to change us and allow it to bring us to decisions. Like some things need to change simply because our King is saying it. Okay? Matthew 20, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a high calling right there. Okay? But it goes on. You've heard that it was said to our ancestors, don't murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says, you moron, will be subject to hellfire. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and therefore you remember that your brother has something against you, leave the gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge. The judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And I assure you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. Okay, this is what the kingdom is like. Is this good news? Is this a kingdom that you would prefer to be in versus the kingdom of the world? In the world, we live in a kingdom that thankfully is like, no, if you murder somebody, yes, you will be judged by that, okay? Mm -hmm. How much greater is it to know that we live in a kingdom that he's saying, no, 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 You you don't show contempt towards others in the kingdom. You don't name call. That doesn't happen in the kingdom of God. Okay, this is bordering on. I mean, like we use words like the translators like "boron" and all that kind of stuff. Okay, we're kind of like, "Oh, that's silly." Except this is really strong language, meaning like it's this contemptible nature of of, of completely just right. It's just complete disregard. I don't know where this lands with you. Everything that we read isn't probably going to be your thing. But when you read that, is, it, you know, maybe it is. Maybe this is one of those things that when you're at home, when you're by yourself, when you're with friends or family or something like that, that this is one of those things. He's saying, here's the deal is, I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Right? What an incredible kingdom that says, not that you won't ever get angry, but he says, listen, without there being reconciliation, like the kingdom is based on reconciliation. This is boring. This, this is boring. What does this have to do with real life? It's, it's just, here's the deal. is just even reading that. I feel like it's like, man, can you, can you pass this and hurry up a little bit? We don't do this. Or, or worse, we think we're already kind of okay. Like, I don't need to hear this. And there's not much more. Here, here's the interesting thing. Is, is if. If this is you, and and it's just unidentified, then there's not much more to say. If this is you, and you've identified it, there's not much more to say. Except he's calling us to something different. He's saying, like, stop right now, and be reconciled. And don't just say it, okay? It's so easy to do that. No, I'm reconciled. Without that being true. He said, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother. When you're He said, this is how it will be. This is so different than in the world. This may be one of those places where the kingdom and the world can begin to overlap and look. Because you may have come here this morning and you are harboring some significant bitterness towards brothers and sisters that you will not let go of. And here's the message we have to be clear. That is not the kingdom of God. That isn't the kingdom of God. If our king were to come in here, he would say, "No, don't ruin my kingdom by being unreconcilatory." There you go. Yes, right. I mean, that's a lot of there's a lot of syllables there. Okay, yeah. but don't do that. You've heard it said, "Don't commit adultery," and I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust has uh, for her has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Again, there's not much more to be said here. If you go, listen, I, I get it. Don't commit adultery. Okay, I get it. Like, don't cheat on your spouse, I get it, don't do all that. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, if you look, and this isn't just men, this is men and women. If you look to do that, okay, here's the thing. This is why this is so important relationally, is that even when I'm looking at somebody, if my goal is to take something that isn't mine, use somebody, or this is really a boundary issue, It's the idea, I have so little respect for you. I have so little respect for you as a human being that all you are is a sexual object. Jesus is saying in the kingdom, it can't be that way. All right, there is honor and there is integrity and and here's the thing. Maybe This may be one of those things that you've kind of like like slowed down on. You're not as thoughtful about it. You're not as focused in. Maybe you've never been focused in on this. But he's saying, here's the deal, is everyone who does this has already committed adultery in their heart. He's saying, this is not how the kingdom of God is. Like, when you come in to the outpost of the kingdom of God, you can trust that relationships will be reconciled. You can trust that people will honor your body, even in their own minds. Like there's there's a level of trust to know that this is why we can actually love each other. Because all of the things that mess relationships up in the world, Jesus is going. No, that's not how it is here, though. Amen. Right there, there is a there is a sexual ethic, and 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 again, man. There's, it's hard to make that more challenging than it is just plainly written there. It's hard to make it more than that without there being a level of like introspection on our part. Without there being like this idea of this true sexual ethic in the kingdom of God. Without us really truly like examining our hearts. He said, whatever it takes to, like, not be engaged in that, okay? And, and, and again, there, there's a lot that goes with that. But he's like, make sure that there's decisions that are made that are preventing this or keeping this from happening or leading us away from this. Right? He's calling us to make decisions throughout this whole section right here. He's calling us to make a decision on unreconciled relationships and deciding, wow, in the kingdom of God, now I must go and do this. When it comes to adultery in the heart, verse 31, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. He said, this is how Moses was. He said, it was this way, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And that is tough. And here... Let me, like, just say something about this, okay? Is I get we want to create all of these theologies around all of this stuff, but let me say this. Is uh, this... Obviously, this verse could be misused, okay? This isn't saying... You're in a marriage that is abusive and all these things, and by golly, by, you're going to not please Jesus if you— Okay, it can be taken to that extent, mm-hmm. right? But is our view of divorce the same as Jesus' view of divorce? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Because here's the thing. He said, well, you know, he said, it was said, whoever divorces his wife." must give her a written notice of divorce. And we think, well, that was really good. No, that was terrible. That was just, you gave her a written notice because you didn't want her to starve and you wanted her to be able to remarry and all that. But we forget when we're married to somebody, that it's like there is no breaking that covenant. And I know that's really tough and it's very easy to go, oh, is 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 Jesus like just excluding me and trying to shame me? Is he trying to do all these things? Jesus interacted with people who were divorced and caught in adultery and all that. And he was still calling them into his kingdom. But could you imagine being in the kingdom of God and he would go, it's okay to get divorced." That's terrifying. I can't imagine being married and thinking that man like, like one day it would be okay for us to not be together for, for this union that we've had to not stay together right? we, we live in a world where divorce is so prevalent that it's almost kind of like we've, we've created a, a side theology about divorce and going well maybe I fit into this right here Okay, this is what I'm going to share you may read this and go, "Man, I fit into this right here." Like this is making me feel uncomfortable. I don't know how to feel about it. Here's the deal: is we've got those are the times we've got to sit in the teachings of Jesus, and, and this is where we pray. This is where we, because I think it's so easy to become defensive, and it's so easy to go, "No, you don't understand the theology." You don't understand, but there. But this situation, but that situation. Could it ever be possible that we make a decision in marriage that was not honoring God? I, I mean, there, there, I can't speak for everybody in every place in every situation, but maybe there was a time to go, wow, I, in all humility, I, I blew it. And throwing myself on the mercy of God, that's a good thing. Okay, But he's also saying, listen, in the kingdom of God, thank God that the kingdom of God is about union and togetherness and trust and all of these things. Again, you've heard it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but keep your oath to the Lord. I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it's God's throne or by the earth because it's his footstool or by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. You can now, I think, but neither should you swear by your head because you can't make a single hair white or black. But let your word yes be yes and no be no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. Okay? I have to say this with Judge Bailey here, okay? If you go into his court and he asks you to take an oath in front of him, you can do that as a Christian. I swear to tell the whole truth, you know, all those things. So the goal here isn't to go, man, I'm going to find all the oaths, and I'm going to take my stand on the theological oath, you know, thing. He said in the kingdom of God, kingdom people, is your very word, is that's enough. Like your very word, like it's unimpeachable. Right? I said it, and I mean it. I don't have to go over, no, I don't understand, I really am going to do it, I swear I'm going to do it, I know I'm going to, but again, it's not just our words, it's our character that follows that, that your yes, be yes, he says, this is how it is, this is what he envisioned the city on the hill, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer, what? Now we're getting somewhere. Okay, you're going, hold up, man, I was perfect. Okay? You've heard it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have your coat also. If someone forces you to go one mile, go within two. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. We do a great job and and thank God for our 24-hour news cycles and our 24-hour news stations. I I love that CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and all of them do such a great job of reminding us who it is we can hate righteously. (laughs) That, that's where we get our things. I can't tell you the number of conversations that I have. It, it, our, we have blended our our own nationalism with Jesus mm-hmm. to the point where we're like, but Keith, you don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if you knew, like, that. I, there was a conversation a few days I had. like if you knew, I, like, hateful. Like, if you knew what was really going on, man, you would... Almost the idea of you don't really care unless you're hating someone or angry. Yeah. 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 Okay? Now, and this may be the part where I, lo- I lose you completely. Okay? Because you're going, there's no way. Right? I'm not listening to this. Because we have wars going on. And we've created religious, like, subscripts under war. But these people are good these people aren't good. Meaning, these people can be loved and supported, and these people shouldn't be. Okay? So wherever you are on the political spectrum, let's talk about just like our world today, right? Pray and love and care for Israel. The Palestinians are terrible. They're hateful. Don't ever take comfort in thinking that hating somebody is a Jesus thing. Don't ever take comfort in that. Okay? I don't care who says what about anything, but if you knew about them, here's what I know for sure about a Palestinian or Israelite or an American or someone from Spain or someone from Portugal or someone from Germany is we all Absolutely. You know what we do really, really well? We hate each other really well. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for a fact. This may be the place where the outpost of the kingdom right now may be most stark. All right? And so that's that's one of the things to keep in mind. If that's kind of what you're saying out there and, and, and putting out on social media and all of those things, I'm going to listen to the teachings of Jesus here. This is completely radical that somebody, that he doesn't say just your neighbor does something. He said, don't resist an evildoer. Don't resist an evildoer. So, let me make the argument. If I don't resist an evildoer, like, okay, here's the deal. If we don't, like, as a nation, resist an evildoer, then somebody's going to come and take us over, and then we're going to be, like, ruled by another... Yes, that's the point. We will always be ruled by the world, okay? The kingdom of God is not supposed to be that. It doesn't matter what army, what country, what nation comes in and takes over, doesn't take over, changes, whatever. It doesn't matter as citizens of the kingdom. It doesn't matter. You go, but you don't understand, Keith. One day, this is what's going to happen in America, can we be to a place to go you don't know what here's the deal i'm more concerned about the kingdom of god i'm more concerned about the kingdom of god right like that's what matters here's what i know in the world governments will like do their thing you know yeah. don't resist an evildoer. in fact turn the other cheek if someone wants to sue you let them have your coat and your shirt You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I wonder how many prayers there have been in our lives for Palestinians and Muslims and people we consider terrorists and all of these different ideologies that we disagree with, okay? I wonder how many times that has been prayed for in our own lives, okay? And you go, man, this is, this is crazy. No, this is what Jesus is saying. Actually, the kingdom is, is supposed to be like. Is that we're praying that not just praying for our enemies like God be with them, but that your kingdom comes to them. Could you imagine the kingdom of God coming to enemies of people? Your own enemy. That's what he's saying it should be different, okay? It brings a level of, like, in a weird way, it brings a level of peace. It brings a level of peace because here's the thing is, is once my heart starts getting wrapped up and you notice kind of like this theme from the beginning here about just being angry and retaliation and enemies and and all of these things is, it's really fascinating how intertwined anger can be in our own hearts. And then we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no, pray so that, so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is hard. This this is really, really difficult. But this is the kingdom that we've been called into. This is, he said, hey, come in here, and this is what our Father and our King is about. This is a beautiful place to be. This is the perfect place to be. This is an amazing place to be. What do we do with this? We we read this. We pray about this. We read this again. We pray about this. We examine our hearts. We pray about this. And we repent. And we come to decisions. And we talk about this to one another, okay? This isn't just a one kind of thing, but this is like, how do we do this? How do we continually do this, okay? He's not giving us new laws. He's not giving us new suggestions. He's not giving us new theories. This is a new way of life. He's giving us a new way of life. Do you read this? And is there any thought that comes into your mind of going, I need to be an apprentice to learn how to do this? <laughs> like, this is really tough. From a sexualized world we live in to a hateful world we live in to a, just a world to where there's no reconciliation and there's just hate being spewed between people and anger and all that kind of stuff. I would hope that we would come to a place and go, I need to be an apprentice of this king to learn how to do this. Like he truly does have the words of life. So again, what do we do with this? We we keep going through this. We keep praying through this. We keep talking about this with one another. We repent of these things that we're falling short in. We agree with him and not with us. We we let the defensiveness come off to the side and and go, Okay, let me let let my defensiveness come over here so I can like be with Jesus. All right. These things can evoke a whole lot of different things. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to nine four zero 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 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.